It's real. It's real. You know the deal. You know the deal. Come on. Hey, it's Shantae. And I'm Natalie. Welcome to What's the Deal, a podcast powered by the Norfus Firm. At the Norfus Firm, we solve people problems. We work with employers and employees all around the world on HR and diversity, equity, and inclusion strategies. So last episode, we Mm -hmm. were looking at these volatile economic times and how they layer on to what we've already been dealing with in terms of post-pandemic world, pandemic world, um, and how that impacts the workplace. And as part of the last episode, we looked at or talked about a study that we thought was quite interesting from the conference board that was a C-suite outlook. And so it really looked at what is going to be keeping up members of the C-suite at night, what keeps them up at night. Yes. (laughs) And so this was a study done late in 2022, 1100 uh, plus respondents, 700 of them uh, were CEOs. And so uh, in terms of the topics uh, that CEOs are worried about that impact the work we do, uh, there were three. Um, and they fell in this, this quadrant that we talked about where it prioritized impact and focus. And so in terms of a, a high uh, impact issue, uh, you know, we were dealing with uh, labor shortages, Right. So not having enough talent, obviously, is a heavy impact on a business. We hear it and we see it all over. We're short staffed. You mm-hmm. can go to even restaurants. We had to close early because we yeah. didn't have enough staff. I mean, it's it's pretty consistent that we're seeing. Um, it's been pretty difficult for, for, for uh, businesses to find people. Um, a high focus issue uh, relates to attracting and retaining talent. Right. Last episode, we, we focused on the retaining piece. So some of the tips and some of the foundational things we know need to happen for you to keep people at your workplace. The attracting piece is really kind of what we're talking about today. And it's centered around this thing that ended up as a low focus area. And I, 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 it's kind of mind boggling, but um, the fact that the, a low focus area right now for, for CEOs is uh, having diverse talent pools or expanding their, their talent pools to include more underrepresented uh, employees. What's the deal with the low focus on expanding talent pools. It's weird. It's really weird. Like I just, it doesn't make any sense. It's counterintuitive because, okay, so you know you're dealing with labor shortages. You know you want to attract and retain talent, but you don't want to expand your 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 search. You don't want to expand your pool of where you get talent from. So you just want to stay in this very limited box of where you get people from. It does. How are you even solving that problem then? Like you don't even. It doesn't even make sense. And so we talk a lot about you know we get on social media and we figure out what's going on and. And it really, when I heard that, when you, when we were talking about it, it reminded me of this post that we saw recently (laughs) where, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to read it um, um, for you all and it'll come up. If you're watching the video, you'll see it, but it says, um, I just want to be cozy at home, but also socialize and travel, buy all the things, but also save all my money and then get super fit, but also eat whatever I want and not exercise. Like what, how? How would be amazing. Let me just tell you. Sure, it would be if great. If I could buy all the things and save all my money. Yeah. Amazing. If I could eat whatever I want and still. Be fit. Yeah, great. Uh, and not exercise. And not exercise. I like exercising. I do too. But, so, but, but, but that, that's it's that, it's that like conundrum. it doesn't make any sense. Right. No you sense. You want something without doing the work. Right. You want, it's like, what is it? The definition of insanity? Where you keep doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result. 
It's like you're still you're still going to the same well thinking you gonna get some water. There's no water there. Okay, we 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 Enough? get real crazy okay. with analogies. <laughs> Too many analogies. Yeah, it's a lot of analogies. But the point is, is you can't get something for nothing. No. I mean no. that's that is like what it that boils down to. And so, okay, so let's let's just think about it from this standpoint. If we just continue to try to find people the way we're finding people, how does that solve the problem? Or put differently, what else can you do besides expanding the talent pool? I mean, you can look at your workplace and see if you can make it more flexible to to attract people. Maybe they maybe there's a policy or a work policy that you can shift and change so that people, you know, want to work there because you offer them an opportunity to work from home three days a week, as opposed to, I don't know, for like whatever it is from someone else. So there's an opportunity there. Referral bonuses, like people who already work there, if they bring someone in, then maybe they get a cut of something. And I mean, what else? Total rewards. Yeah. Total rewards or pay or benefits or learning and development. So all of those things that we talked about, total rewards, Mm-hmm. Flexibility. flexibility, referral bonuses. Yeah. Those all fall under the category of employment branding and how you make yourself right. more attractive to folks. We know that people are paying more than they were before. Mm-hmm. And that, that by itself is not solving the problem. Mm-mm. No. So from my standpoint, here's the deal. Diverse recruiting has been a challenge for decades. Employers have been challenged by how they attract more diverse talent, right? Right. So it's understandable that you might feel like, oh, that is too hard. So I don't, I don't want to focus on that because mm-hmm. we haven't figured that out yet. And we just, we need people here. Right now, today. But we know that the other piece is if you just are focusing on getting bodies in the job and you're just focusing on having a warm body in a seat, it doesn't actually solve the problem. Mm-mm. We also know and there's so much research, again, McKinsey being probably the leader of this, is that diverse teams increase profit and that folks that have teams that are diverse outperform companies that don't. So in these times that are volatile, you want to be pulling all the levers yeah. to, to make that, the, the money. You need to be competitive. You need to make yourself the most competitive as you possibly can. And so it starts with your people. It all comes down to your people. So if you don't have that talent, that diverse talent, you're not going to be as competitive. You're not going to make as much money as you need to make in these shrinking, quote unquote, shrinking times. Fun fact, 76% of millennials say that they'll leave their company if there are no diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives offered. At a time when attracting and retaining talent is a top priority for company leaders, DEI couldn't be more critical. Reach out through thenorfusfirm.com to learn about implementing an effective DEI strategy. So how do we solve for identifying and, att- and attracting more, broader and more diverse talent pools? Well, there's the intentionality piece that you spoke about. It, it really is okay. looking at it. What's happening? How do we get there? You got to get creative. Um, and also, I would say do the opposite. So if everyone is, you know, shying away from the DEI stuff, double down, right? Go for it. Like really, it's like stocks. Really, yeah. Like, oh, the stocks are low. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Exactly. Right. It's the same thing. Like really, really do the opposite because then the branding, the, the employer branding, which you're talking about, you're building your reputation because you're prioritizing this and people want to feel like this is a priority right now. That right? you're speaking to me. Yes. Yes. And so I, I always say ASAP, mm-hmm. ASAP. 
what are your recruiting practices today? Mm -hmm. Because we do a lot of senior leader interviews with CEOs and other C-suite members. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, the first thing is that we don't have good recruiters, right? So it's always, ah, the recruiters, they're not good. And it's interesting That's because so, it, it's a cop out. It is. And it's sort of like the leader divorces themselves exactly. from the process. Exactly. Um, in, in, in the conversations we have with leaders that are incredible, they're talking about, they say they're an in-house legal department. They're talking about going to websites of law firms and perusing and seeing what lawyers work there and maybe being able to go and reach out to lawyers. They say, see working at, at law firms doing what they may need to be done. Mm -hmm. There's, there's many things we talk to, uh, to leaders about in terms of being proactive. If you're on a panel mm -hmm. where you had, did you have some brilliant panelists that you're mm -hmm. like, Whoa, we would need them here, build a relationship. Um, where are you invited to, which I get a lot from, um, GW law school, go GW and American go American undergrad, mm -hmm. where all these opportunities to network with mm -hmm. alumni, huge opportunities, especially if you're in specialized fields, like, you know, me being a lawyer where, okay, there's law school alumni events. So, you know, you're going to go meet lawyers, right? Go to those events. You should be foot down on the ground, constantly looking for talent, even when you don't need the person. It's like that. Cause you know, we have to have an analogy. It's like when people always say, build a relationship with a banker before you need a loan. Exactly. Same thing. Um, and, and then the other part is digging into where you are looking. We are still hearing. Wow. It's so fascinating because we're still hearing when people talk about, for example, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. We hear people reference Howard University and we hear people reference Morehouse and we hear people reference Spelman. Three dynamic, incredible organizations, mm -hmm. but there are over a hundred HBCUs right. in the United States. Right. So that means if you're really only focusing on like a very small number of them, you're missing out on a huge pool of talent. The other interesting sort of stat is that there are um, HSIs, mm -hmm. which are Hispanic serving institutions mm -hmm. and the U S and a Hispanic serving institution is one that 25% or more of the full-time students are of Hispanic descent. And so there are 345 colleges in the directory for HSIs, which means there are huge. an incredible number huge. of colleges that have a huge Hispanic talent pool. Correct. And there are, as of today, or as of yesterday, when we did the research, at least 80 universities that are prioritizing ways in which to serve neurodivergent students. Right. So those are just three examples of there are, there is talent out there. Mm -hmm. The question is, where are you looking? Right. That's one, two resources. We, 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 I roll in my eyes just because it's like, we hear these leaders talk and it's like, okay, you have 20 open positions, 30 open positions and one recruiter. And it's like, what, what, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, when we do recruiting ourselves, if, when we have like 10 open positions, our recruiter spends anywhere between 20 to 25 hours a week on 10 positions. So if you start multiplying that out, and if you really want someone to do all these like magical things, you have to have the resources. And I say magical, because again, when you talk to leaders and they're like, oh, the recruiters, they don't know what they're doing. It's like, Okay, well, if if I have thirty open requisitions, I'm one person. There's a limitation on how 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 mm -hmm. how much is going to happen. Again, you get what you give, and so I think when we we were really talking about this piece of 
you cannot, you kind of have leave no stone unturned and say, and, and having a low focus on expanding your talent pool to include underrepresented groups hurts you financially at multiple levels. Yes. You're just not getting the talent. You're not going to allow yourself to be as profitable as you can be. You're not doing your business any real service. You're not solving any problems by shortcutting this part of the process. Right. It really, it, you're really setting yourself up to not do as well. But I mean, I want, let's acknowledge it. Like, like, let's really dig in if we can, just for a little bit to what's real out there. So it's like, we're saying this, yeah, go out and increase and talk to everybody and, and find resources. And, resources and, all, and folks are, and people doing this work are like, how? Because I still have these 20 jobs that I need to fill. I have all these other things I need to do and I need to manage this. So what really, what does that look like in practice? So what would, what advice would you give them to, to be able to do this for real in their organizations? Have an understanding of what it takes to recruit somebody. The baseline understanding of it is not just posting your job on LinkedIn and waiting for people to apply. If we look at, again, our own internal data, hmm. uh, for one of our clients, we filled more than 20 positions and almost all of those positions were sourced. And sourced means our recruiter went out and looked for people who could fit the role. Now people apply and you obviously take those applications, but there's a lot of intentionality with, with good recruiting practices where you're actually going out and looking for people who don't know who you are and don't know that you have a job opening. So I think sometimes people just mistake it for when we posted the job, like, where are my people? It's, 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 it's a very interactive process. So I think one, having an understanding of the process mm -hmm. at your place of employment mm -hmm. And if you're feeling like, mm, it seems like it's, it's not like robust enough, then moving into this next phase of where are the other places or the other ways. The last piece, which maybe is even the most important piece, is what I talked about around proactive recruiting. You are part of it. Right. When we're looking for people on the team, we're not just sitting and waiting for Theo, who's our recruiter, to go and find us someone. Right. We're thinking about, OK, do we know anyone who can we go out to? We are when we're doing job descriptions, we're in it with them. We're yeah. like, we don't we don't just rely on him to come up with it. We're definitely there with it's him. Very and figuring it, out. it is and collaborative, actually. Yes. Yeah. And, and that's sort of the name of the game in yeah. terms of of this expansion piece. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as we as we close out here and, and, and again, think about where we are today, now more than ever, we need to be in places as employers of being able to attract incredible talent. And um, to do that, you'd be sort of cutting yourself out the knees yeah. by saying, ah, eh, we're not going to focus on expanding our talent pools to make sure underrepresented folks are part of it. Please don't. Don't do that. And, and, and in terms of this age-old problem of how do we attract not just underrepresented folks, but people in general, look at your recruiting practices like ASAP and recognize your role as a leader in the process, that it's not just something you delegate, that is something you need to collaborate on mm -hmm. and be actively enrolled in. Facts. So we're always happy to be here. <laughs> uh, lots more to come. Um, and uh, as we look forward in 2023, um, Got to focus on your people. Always. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see you soon. Bye.